I'm Carrie Kaufman, and you're listening to the Nevada Voice Weekly Podcasts. Average teacher salary. It's how teachers' salaries in the Clark County School District are calculated for budgeting purposes. It's kind of complicated, but it has potential to be very explosive. Each school in CCSD has their own budget. That was part of the reorganization of the district in 2017. But teachers are still paid through the administration. And admin doesn't look at the salaries of each teacher at each school. Instead, they average them out. This is how former interim CFO Eva White describes it. So if you're looking at the mathematical definition, it is taking all of the teachers that you have in the district, adding up what their salary is, and then dividing by that number of teachers. Okay, sounds simple. Problem is, not all teachers make the same salary. And as Brett Husson explains, some schools have lots of higher-paid teachers, and other schools have lots of lower-paid teachers. Husson is the president of Nevada Succeeds, and he's the guy who alerted me to the seeming unfairness of average teacher salary. I'll let him explain. So the way the system works today, and it will work until the new funding formula is put into place, is that schools pay their teachers um, different salaries. Obviously, a a brand new teacher makes the minimum plus their benefits, and that's some number. And then there's teachers that range anywhere from one year to 30 years in the classroom, and each one of those is going to make a different number. And it ranges somewhere between $55,000 to up to $100,000 in compensation. Well, when when a school does their budget, they don't budget for the actual dollars that a teacher costs them. They budget for an average salary, which is somewhere around $86,000 total compensation. Mm -hmm. So if no matter what school you're in, uh, anywhere in the district, if you have 10 teachers, then your budget for those teachers is $86,000 times 10. The reality, though, is that teachers in, in my child's school, which is a public school up on the west side of town, uh, I mean, my children are in fourth and third grade. They've been in that school a combined seven or eight years now, uh, and neither one of them has had a teacher that's had less than fifteen or sixteen years in the classroom experience. So they've been they've been getting the higher end of the salary scale. Mm-hmm. The teachers that have been in the classroom longer, getting paid more money. Those are the those are teachers my kids have been in front of. There are schools in other parts of town where they have a thirty to forty percent turnover rate in teachers every single year. So you're getting teachers every every year coming into those schools that have little to no experience, and they're earning at the very low end of the scale. So, But what that means is those schools that have a high number of inexperienced teachers, they're still paying $86,000 for that teacher who's actually only earning fifty six. And in my school, they're paying $86,000 for a teacher who's actually earning $100,000. So, okay, so wait a second. Can, so let me let me let there, me right? pull this back here. Um, sure. Who's paying who? The school district is paying the teacher. Okay, so the school district is paying the teacher, yeah. but it's budgeted through the 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 actual the the school, the individual right. school. Yeah. So a school in Summerlin or in Henderson, like yep. it, that's paying teachers more that have quite frankly better facilities mm-hmm. for teachers to work in i yep. think and that's that's also part of what i hear from teachers uh who tell me that they're working in crumbling facilities mm-hmm. so they're paying teachers more they're paying teachers say average of 100,000 dollars a year not the 86,000 so they're 
They're getting They're paying less. less. They're paying less. The school district is paying the school less, and the school is having to no. up their budget. Okay, so this no. is what I'm— Yeah, so the, the way it works is the school simply has the budget. They don't actually get the dollars to pay the teacher. They don't right, write right, the right, teacher right. a check. So but they still have to ba- balance have to their budget based on what the teacher is being paid. That's right. So if that school budget is $860,000 for 10 teachers, but their teachers actually earn— a million dollars because they've all been there a lot longer. So their their paychecks total up to a million dollars. The district and the school just call it good. There's no there's no they don't they don't take money out of other parts of that budget to make up for the hundred and forty thousand dollars extra that they had to that the district had to pay those teachers that wasn't in the school's budget. So they have a benefit of hundred and forty thousand dollars that basically comes off the backs of the schools that have the, the teachers that are making less. So the, if there's a school with the opposite problem where their their teachers are only earning 700000 they're still being charged in their budget 860000 so they should get an extra one hundred and sixty to put into other things, potentially, mm-hmm. that they're not getting. Because they just if, if the average teacher just gets the average salary, that's how the, the budgeting is just on paper. That's not how the money actually flows. The money goes where it's supposed to go. You know, the teacher earns X amount. They get that check every week or every two weeks. and But that's written through the HR department, and the school never sees that those dollars. Okay, so the, the, the idea that the schools in the, more, in the wealthier parts of town who have teachers who are more seasoned actually get more money from the school district is correct. They they really do get more money from the school district just in the form of they pay the, the seasoned teachers more money than they pay the unseasoned teachers who tend to be at, at schools in poorer areas. That's right. So who does this <laughs> and and what can be done about it? And and if we if we do solve the problem, assuming that everybody agrees it's a problem, you say it's one, but um, if we do solve that problem, what then happens to to schools and our distribution of teachers? In private conversations with me, anybody I've talked to about it has said it's a problem. But in public, not everybody is willing to say that, depending on who they are and what other constituencies they work for or with and whatnot. So you know, the, the challenge that you have if you try to fix something like that, though, is that these teachers in, in the schools where they are in the, in the suburban ring is what we call it, they don't want to be told that they have to go to another school to earn the paycheck that they're earning at the school they're in. Mm -hmm. Part of the value of staying on and um, becoming tenured, or that's the wrong word, but having a long tenure in in the system is the choice to be able to work in the schools that have the better facilities, that have the better, you know, supports and those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. So to now tell them, hey, you know, all this time that you've put in and earned and now you get to be here, uh, all of a sudden we're going to take that away would have some potentially very damaging consequences. And that's what some people have worried about in in trying to address that issue or thinking about addressing that issue. The, The reality has been that nobody has had to address it because there's never been the political will to make it an issue. I, matter of fact, I don't know of anybody else that talks about it publicly other than me. I've, <laughs> I've brought it up many times. To me, it sound, it's, it's an equity issue. Uh, you have the children in the, in the poorest neighborhoods, in the poorest schools, suffering one more time because of the way our system is set up. 
And it's mainly because we don't want to, I don't want to say inconvenience, because it really, it would be a bad thing for, if if I was a teacher in their situation, I would be upset about it if it happened to me. So I don't want to say that they're wrong to be upset. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's whether or not we worry more about the the circumstances of the adult, or we worry more about the circumstances of the child. And right now, we're siding with the adults because that's where the political... That's that, that's where it lies. However, I, this is and this is the point I was going to get to. The new funding formula should alleviate this because now schools will be funded with real dollars based on the students that are in the building, not based on how many teachers they have in the building. Mm. So they won't get allotted, you know, fifty-five full-time positions that each pay eighty-six thousand dollars anymore. Now they're going to get allotted uh, eight thousand five hundred. I don't know; these numbers might not be right, right, right. but. $8,500 per child that's just your average no no waiting on your child and then that time and then waits for people waits who are for children kids who are ELL who have, and correct the okay, other the other things and what have you so that should mean and I, and I say should because I just don't know what the politics is going to do between now and when it actually happens I'm not assuming anybody's going to do anything bad but I I've seen it happen before but that should mean that my child's school will get less money than what they're getting now. Because presumably in, in, in our neighborhood where my children go to school, there are fewer free and reduced lunch kids. So that there will be fewer kids getting that 1.5. We know there are fewer uh, English language learners in our school. Uh, not none, but fewer. So that, that extra money wouldn't come. And now there there may be a few more gate kids, but that shouldn't offset all of that. And we have very few special needs kids as mm-hmm. well. So uh, we should get less money. And that should mean that we have less dollars to spend on the teachers that are there. Because 85 or something percent of their, your dollars, your budget, go to human beings in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all teachers, but you know all of the, 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 the adults combined. And so that's really the only place you're going to find to be able to make your budget match. And so what what that should do is it should create a circumstance where teachers have to go where they can get paid. So if we have too many seasoned teachers in our building because it worked that way before, many of them will probably be told, hey, we just can't afford to keep everybody this year, so we're going to have to hire some less expensive teachers. Now, in my mind, that could be a really great thing mm-hmm. because part of our our theory is that we don't have enough opportunities for teachers that have skills and experience to share those skills and experience with teachers that don't. Mm-hmm. And and many times that's because of proximity. The, those, the teachers that don't aren't around the teachers that do, and so there isn't the opportunity. Now, there would have to be more done uh, structurally. But anyway, my point is you would then at least have in the same building several teachers that have a lot of experience and several teachers that don't. Either it's because the schools that used to have all the experience had some new folks come in. Some of those folks left, but they presumably would go to the schools that didn't have as much because that's where they would have the budget to pay them. And then you'd have a broad, a better mix probably of teachers with and without experience working in buildings together. And then it would be just a matter of saying, hey, let's figure out a way now for these folks to learn from one another as well. Okay, so this may be alarming to teachers and parents who have put in their time or moved into more expensive neighborhoods to position their kids to be in good schools. Let's reiterate, Brent's contention is that schools with more experienced teachers will have to jettison some of them to hire less experienced teachers. 
So there's... A better mix. Eva White thinks this kind of teacher apportionment can work if we all have buy-in. But she cautions that experience doesn't always mean better or that good teachers in supportive schools are necessarily going to succeed at schools that struggle with leadership or a student body that is dealing with other life issues. It really needs to be looked at before the decision would be made to use actual salaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll give you an example. Um, Let's say, for instance, that Coronado High School uh, has two high-priced teachers for its school budget. Right. So they would have to release some of those teachers. And I'm going to use just a very um, specific example just to show. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say that they have, they have to release a math teacher because they can't afford all the high uh, experienced math teachers they have. Mm -hmm. Um, So first there has to be some contractual work done because according to contract, uh, people have the opportunity to volunteer, to be surplused, and if nobody volunteers, then it's the least senior person. Mm-hmm. Well, the least senior person possibly is one that is the least expensive person as well. Ah, okay. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so now let's say that it isn't. Let's say that they are all the same and they're all the $85,000, $90,000 teachers. Okay. Is a school going to try to release the very best expensive teacher they have or not the best uh, expensive teacher they have? Right. And if I'm a school principal, I'm going to get rid of the not the best. Yes. I want to have the best on my team. That person. Right. So, So now that person goes to an inner city school who now has to pay $90,000 or whatever for them. That person didn't want to leave. That school did not want to take them. Mm. And now they must expend more dollars out of their budget for that person. And it's not even the one that they want or need. So here's, but here's my question. And this is what, what Brent seems to think. And it, it, it fascinates me and it terrifies me at the same time. Brent seems to think that then they will then have to go to... Uh, a Title I school where yes. their skills and their experience are more needed. I f- I, th- this is the part that fascinates me. The part that terrifies me is um, that, the, that the people who are not necessarily the best teachers will be the ones to go to the Title I schools or That's the correct. people who are not necessarily prepared for that population will find themselves uh, inundated in the Title I schools and, and leave the profession. Um, and also yes. there's this idea that if you put in your time, then you should be able to, you know, teach at a, at a better school. So, yes. but, but, he's, but I, I do love his utopia. His utopia right. is, that, <laughs> is that you have teachers who are experienced intermingling with teachers who are inexperienced, and then they learn, and it's a mentorship process. And, yeah. and everybody gets a better education. So talk to me about that. How do we get to the utopia? I would agree that that would happen in utopia. <laughs> and the premise of it is awesome. Right. But if there isn't something done to incentivize those people in leadership roles or something like that outside of the regular teacher salary, there has to be something that 
entices them to go there, aside from that they have to go. Uh, and I can give an example. Um, when Antonio Real was the principal at Fremont um, Middle School, mm-hmm. that became a professional development middle school and worked in conjunction with UNLV in the same capacity that Paradise and Peterson Elementaries did, mm-hmm. where they actually did training of teachers at those sites. And it was really quite amazing at that time. Now, we're not talking about the experienced teachers. We are talking about new teachers moving in there and then teachers who were at um, Fremont wanting to stay there because they were able to work with the kids that were the kids, the students coming out of the university, mm-hmm. and they kept their practice sharp. They were able to do this utopia that you're talking about with the intermingling right. of of the experienced teachers and teachers new to the profession. And because they wanted that interaction, then the more experienced teachers wanted to stay at Fremont. And then the teachers with whom they worked from the universities, you know, the pre-service teachers, Mm -hmm. they all wanted to come and work at Fremont. So when was this? That, uh, I'm going to say it was probably 10 years ago. Mm. And why did we not bottle it? I do not know the answer to that. (laughs) I do not believe it's about money. Um, Although, you know, everybody likes to live in a home and be able to eat, right? uh, Right? I mean, a a living wage for a professional, uh, a college graduate, a professional is is important to them. But the other part of this is the respect. And so as more and more gets piled on, and you don't feel valued for that and you aren't compensated for that, then it's hard to work Mm. with that same fervor. Okay, so let's get back to Brent's uh, utopia. Let's let's talk about um, having a school, much like you you described Fremont uh, Middle School, uh, having a school that does have uh, teachers who are experienced and teachers who are new and is uh, serving an at-risk population, uh, yes. what is it that we need to do to model that in the future? I know it's a really easy question. You know, isn't it funny? But we, I, in my head, I always see schools as true uh, subsets of community. And so when you're in a community, there are places, there are doctors and there are dentists and there are, you know, stores for clothing. Uh, you know, there's a place you go get your food. And so it's kind of developing this community school where um, whatever you need is provided there. And I think that they're currently, I've been gone for, this is going on my third year now, but I know that in the past there have been um, portables, portable classrooms uh, or rooms inside of schools that have been set up for medical facilities Mm. uh, and for dentists dentist offices and those kinds of things. And it's really having uh, as much of those things in one place as you can. Because if you have people who don't have um, access to transportation, uh, they will get their kids to school, but then they maybe can't get them to the doctor, the dentist, the social worker, the therapist. Mm -hmm. And so it's having those things in that area of access. And I know that it sounds kind of odd that it would be to um, bring all these things to the school. That doesn't mean that the school has to do them. 
it means that they have to be provided for in that site. Mm-hmm. So that parents and and kids, that they will come to school because the doctor's there. They'll go to the doctor and miss a period and then go to class rather than stay home sick the whole day and miss everything. And so it is how do you get the community as a whole to develop a community within a community mm-hmm. um, and develop that within a school. And how do you do that? Well, you know, there there seem to be, you know Lisa Hibbler with yes. the city of Vegas? Yes. She's probably one of the best I know at how do you rally the resources for the kids. Uh, and they have done some really amazing things uh, with the group of schools that she is part of uh, to make sure that they have those resources. And so that's maybe just a good place to start to say, how do you uh, ramp this up? You know, how do you do this? I know the other place, Valley High School, yes, um, is really amazing. Yes. Um, and Ramona Esparza is the principal there. Mm-hmm. And to say to Ramona, you know, it, it is exactly what you said before. Why don't we take these things and, and grow them, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. It's so odd to me that we have the we have the knowledge, the skill, knowledge, and experience right in our midst, and we don't necessarily use it or uh, try to expand it, try to multiply it. And maybe you know, I'm wondering now that we're talking about this. Um, Maybe it's like, how do you get, we're talking about teachers working with teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we need principals working with principals. Yes. I know when I was a principal, I used to, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a data freak, okay? And so I used to roll out this whole big long list that had all 300 schools on it. And I'd say, okay, I am working with bus and such school. What school is like that school that is doing so much better in this or that area? And then I'd find a school like them, and then I'd call the principal, and I'd say, hey, do you mind if I bring a principal over to see you? We want to know how come you do this, and you're so amazing. It's how do you make it systemic, right? How Mm -hmm. does it become bigger than the person? How do you make it systemic, especially in a school district which has autonomous schools? We'll explore that at another time. We'll also look at the people Eva White just mentioned, Lisa Hibbler and Ramona Esparza, and how they're doing and whether that can be modeled. I want to thank Brett Husson for imagining with me this utopia of experienced teachers mentoring new teachers. And I want to thank Eva White for putting a bit of reality on how that will work. I should note that there is a new school funding commission that had its first meeting at the very end of September. That commission will be deciding how the new funding formula that the 2019 Nevada legislature passed will be implemented and whether to change average teacher salary to actual teacher salary is one of the things they will be deciding. Go to nevadavoice.org for updates. Also, like us on Facebook slash Nevada Voice and follow us on Twitter at NV Voice. Nevada Voice is a nonprofit running under the fiscal sponsorship of the Maroon Ridge Foundation. Please consider becoming a monthly member to support us at nevadavoice.org. I'm Carrie Kaufman. Thank you for listening to the Nevada Voice Podcast.